Welcome. want to welcome you, especially if this is your first time. And whether it's your thousandth time or your first time, we believe you belong here. And it's glad that we're so glad to have you here. Actually, when I was, I don't know what your background is of growing up in church or not, want to welcome those who are join, joining us online. I grew up a preacher's kid, so I kind of grew up in church and had a lot of different of those experiences. Uh, Pastor Nate, who you saw up here a little bit ago, he had none of those experiences. I mean, he did, church was all just weird to him. And when he met people like me, it just confirmed it. And so, uh, but we're just so glad you're here. And I, I thought about when I was four years old, my dad, he, uh, he took a new church in Greeley, Colorado. And it was just our first day there. And there was an older gentleman in our church. His name was Merle Blackwell. And I did, we didn't know this until we left about nine years later. And he told my parents on our last day, your son on our first day, I was wanting him to feel welcome, wanting to help him feel at home. And I was ribbing him, kind of giving him a hard time. And I don't think he knew how to receive it because he finally said to me, Mr., I don't think my dad wants you at this church. Let me go check. And... Uh, he was gracious enough to never tell that to my parents until the day that we had left to move to Kansas. And uh, I just want you to know that's not the vibe we're trying to give anyone today. We're so glad you're here. We want everyone to feel welcome. We believe you belong here. Uh, we believe it's okay to belong before you believe. Um, if you come in here with doubts, uh, it's a safe place to bring your doubts. One of the 12 disciples of Jesus was a doubter at first. And uh, we just want you to know if you have a place you're, you're kind of wondering, skeptical, skeptical uh, this is a safe place to bring that wondering. Uh, now, we want you to believe. That's, that's the goal. We're not going to hide that from you. And I want to tell you this morning as we kind of start off the message, three reasons on this Easter Sunday why I believe. And I believe because of the disciples, uh, the disciples of Jesus. And three reasons that, that they give me reason to, to have such a strong belief in the resurrection and what we celebrate today. First of all, they went from, faith, from fear to faith. They were afraid. They, they were overwhelmed with fear. And they, they ran. They ran like cowards before the resurrection. At the, crucifix, at the crucifixion, they scattered. But after the resurrection, they had bold faith. And they also went from the closet to declaring boldly that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, they were kind of uh, secret admirers. They were kind of closet Christians. And then, then they went bold after the resurrection. And finally, they gave their life for a cause. Now, this is not as heroic when you consider that many people give their life to a cause, but they physically, 10 of the 11 that remained after the, uh, Judas, 10 of the 11 died a martyr's death. Uh, they were hung on a tree, they were, had the guillotine or they were, had their head chopped off or they were, they were burned at the stake. I mean, 10 of the 11, they died not for what they believed. Um, there's many people that have throughout history and throughout time that have died for what they believed. And, and sometimes not so, we don't consider it even heroic. I mean, we had 19 men fly into the World Trade Centers and no one here in this room finds that heroic today. No, no one finds heroism in that. So it's more than dying for what they believed. The disciples, they died for what they saw, not for what they believed, what they actually saw with their own eyes. And that's what gave them such boldness. That's where they went from fear to faith. That's where they went to declare boldly. And so today we celebrate 
Easter, we celebrate the resurrection, and we're going to share from one of the accounts of that, the Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've been in a series called Mark Matters. It's from the Gospel of Mark, and uh, it's one of the four accounts. It's kind of like being at, a, at, a, uh, at an accident, and everyone's watching. There's eyewitnesses' accounts. Each of them saw the same thing, but they saw different angles. They saw it from a different perspective, but they still saw pretty much the same thing. Mark gives us a perspective today. I like Mark because Mark's an underdog. Uh, We know a lot about Matthew. We know a lot about Luke. Uh, They got to write the beautiful Christmas stories. We know a lot about John. I mean, he was the beloved. He also wrote uh, three other books named after him, (coughs) excuse me, in the book of Revelation. Um, We know that that, that they really get the notoriety and people know more about them. We don't know a lot about Mark. It is believed that Mark was really given the account of Peter's gospel. Mark was pretty close to Peter. Mark was uh, rejected by the Apostle Paul at one time. I mean, at, at, on the second missionary journey, the Apostle Paul, he had let the Apostle Paul down, and Paul was like, no, I'm not taking this guy with me. He's going to let me down again. He's not going with me. So if you kind of like to root for the underdog, if you like to root for the person that has, gets second chances, Mark is your guy. And that's where we are taking this story from today is the gospel of Mark. And in a a little bit, we get to celebrate some baptisms together. We had some great ones in the first service. But this morning, we start in the chapter 16, the last chapter of Mark, verses 1 and 2. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices, brought spices, bought spices and brought spices. I think it's supposed to be brought spices. But they bought and brought spices And uh, some have uh, said that these were the original Spice Girls. Um, And so if if you want to tell me what you want, what you really, really want today, um, I I actually, we know who grew up in the 90s. We all know who's in the 90s here in this room by your laughter. I I will say I heard that from another pastor. It got the same corny laugh that I got today, and so it achieved its purpose. So verse 2. Very early, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. These Spice Girls, or these ladies, these women, were devoted followers of Jesus. Just as devoted as the men followers of Jesus, they were disciples of Jesus, and they were the first that Jesus appeared to. Then, catch this, let's kind of take ourselves, try to put ourselves in their shoes, what their feelings were, where they were in that moment. They were going to a burial. They were going to a funeral. They were discouraged. They were depressed. They were defeated. They were brokenhearted. And maybe you came in here today. Maybe you're watching online and you feel defeated. You feel discouraged, maybe depressed, maybe brokenhearted. That's where these ladies were. Maybe you're coming here today and you're defeated, discouraged by a relationship, maybe with your parents or maybe with your siblings, maybe your, your marriage, maybe you're going through a separation or a divorce and you come in here and, and, and you feel discouraged by that or maybe you feel discouraged by a diagnosis, defeated by a diagnosis. I know we have several in our body here that are battling the, the cancer and, and that's defeating, it's discouraging. Maybe you find yourself defeated, discouraged, depressed by, uh, you know, just broken promises, unfulfilled dreams. 
Maybe you were passed over for a job promotion. Maybe you didn't get the job. Maybe you were fired and you find yourself defeated, discouraged today when you walked into this room. Or maybe it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, broken promises of others. Maybe it's you can't keep a promise to yourself. And maybe it's the battle of addictions and sin. And today I want to tell you this morning, I want to tell you some good news. I want you to know something. I want you to know this. The God we serve, the God we love, the God we celebrate on this day, he is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who who are crushed in spirit. The psalmist says these exact words, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed spirit. And if you find yourself today in here with a broken heart, you find yourself with a crushed spirit, you're in a good place. Know that our God is a God that is near the brokenhearted. He, his heart beats for those who are crushed in spirit. And we see it once again in this gospel. If we'll fast forward uh, to verse 9, fast forward to Mark's gospel, a moment to uh, someone who was crushed in spirit. And here's who Jesus appeared first to. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven out seven demons. Mary Magdalene, of all the people he chose to appear first to, it was Mary Magdalene. Not Mary, his mother, who was a virtuous woman, but Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons. And the the seven is a biblical number that really means complete. So she was completely demon-possessed, completely depressed, completely discouraged, completely defeated. When Jesus came into her life and set her free, as we sang about today, set her free, we're going to sing about today, set her free. And so you can imagine her defeat and discouragement when Jesus died. All her hopes were tied up in Jesus. And when Jesus was gone, it, Jesus, who did he choose to go to first? The one who was the most defeated, the most discouraged, the most down. He shows up to Mary Magdalene, not the most, the most virtuous woman, but the, the woman who had, had failed miserably in life. He showed up to say, I see you. Jesus appeared, if you're following along in your notes today, Jesus appeared to the women first. In a society that didn't value women, in a society that, um, you know, didn't, uh, women and children were second and third class citizens, Jesus broke the barriers down. He created us all equal in his image. When we, at the very beginning, we were created male and female in the image of God. We were created to be equal. But somewhere along the, the line, we lost our way and, 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 and people began to treat women and children as second-class citizens. Jesus values and values everyone, specifically the most broken. And I would say this as well today too. This is, this is not the gospel of Mark. This is the gospel of Kent. Um, I, I believe too that there's another reason why Jesus went to the women first, because he wanted it done right. He showed up to the women first because he knew that they would be able to accomplish what needed to be done. I mean, if you want something done fast, go to a man. If you want something done right, go to the ladies, okay? I'm just trying to get a little brownie points before uh, uh, Mother's Day. Heather, how am I doing this morning? All right, a few little brownie points this morning. Not only did Jesus appear first to the ladies, but he also singled out the one who had broken his heart the most. And he told them, and, the, and he also told them, when you, when you see them, go to Peter. And I believe that's in verse, uh, do I have that there? Verse, um, no, we're not ready for that yet. Or are we ready for that yet? Anyway, he went to Peter first. 
And, and I believe he went to Peter first because Peter had let him down more than any of the other disciples. He'd broken his heart. He'd crushed Jesus. I mean, he, he literally, there was no one that failed Jesus more than what he, he had. And that's good news for us today, that he went to this Mary Magdalene, he went to Peter first because we all have failed him miserably. There's not one of us in here who hasn't royally messed up. There's not one of us here that is perfect or is without sin. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has fallen short in the eyes of a holy, perfect God. And so he goes to Peter. And maybe you feel like Peter, though, that you believe that you have failed him the most and that you're worse than others. And, and that, you know, maybe there's someone in here that even feels irredeemable. But I want you to know, the friend, that Jesus wants to single you out this morning in the same way that he singled Peter out. He doesn't want to single you out to shame you or condemn you. He wants to single out to display his love for you, to display that he is for you, to display that he has in the same way of Peter's like, Peter, you know what? Let Peter know. Would please let Peter know that, that I'm okay and things are going to be okay. Go to Peter and let him know we're all good. Things are going to be good. Let him know that his worst days are not the days he's going to be defined by. He, he has better, God has better days ahead for you. And friends, God is more interested in our future than he is our past. In fact, he died for our past so that we could have a future. And that's what he did for Peter. He said, Peter, I, got, I still have plans for you. And friends, you may feel like you're done, you're done, you're washed up. And I'm here to tell you today with Christ and his resurrection that gives us that power, your best days are still yet ahead. Your best days for his glory are still before you. Rewind back to verse 3, Mark 16, 3. And it says they asked each other, the women asked each other this question, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. This stone was the size of, uh, so big that six plus soldiers, centurions, would have been needed to move this stone out of the way of the tomb. And the other gospels tell us, on top of it being so heavy and so large, there was armed guards there to guard it from it happening. So they're wondering who will move, who will move the, roll the stone out of the way. And this morning, you may come in here and you have the exact same question, the same essential question these ladies asked. Who's going to roll the stone away from me? For some of us walked in here today, and it may not be a physical stone, but there is a stone so large in your life, in our lives, that it's looming large, it's looming big, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get past this. I don't know how I'm going to move beyond this. It may be a physical stone. We talked about that, a cancer, re, re, uh, recent diagnosis, um, even, even death, getting old. Who's going to remove the stone away? Who's going to roll the stone away? Maybe it's an emotional stone. You come in here and the, the, you have a large stone that you're looking at of depression, anxiety, fear, and, and you're wondering who will roll the stone away. It could be that relational stone that we talked about. It could be a marriage relationship. It could be a divorce. It could be a, an estranged relationship with a sibling or a mom or dad or a son or daughter. And that stone is so big and you're going, I don't know how it is possible for this to be removed. 
Maybe it's a behavioral stone. Maybe it's a deep-seated anger. Maybe it's, uh, it's an addiction, a, uh, you know, a drug, alcohol, or sexual addiction, pornography. But whatever it is, it's so big, you're going, I tried, I can't, it's too large, I can't move this thing out of my way, I don't know what to do, so what are we to do? What is our response when the stone is too big for us? Well, let's look at what these ladies did. In verse 4, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. So often, we look at the stone in our life and we can't see anything else. It's like a horse with blinders on. All we can see is the problem in front of us. We can't see anything else. And we should follow the examples of these ladies where they looked up. They stopped looking at their, at their stone and they looked up and they saw that the stone had been rolled away. Stop looking down. Stop looking back. Look up. The psalmist says it this way. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Look up. Stop looking down. And for some of us, stop looking back. I, I remember a season in my life, there's been more than one season, but I remember a particular season where I just felt stuck. I just kept looking back and that just didn't seem like there was a way forward. Everything in the past didn't look good, and it just left me stuck and looking forward to the future. And then I came across this sign in a bookstore, and it felt like it was talking exactly to me. It says, don't look back. You're not going that way. And we need to be reminded, friends, that in the power of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, if God can raise a man from the dead, he can raise us from what our situations are. It doesn't mean he delivers us from every single thing. It doesn't mean that we're going to escape death. Every single one of us is going to go through death. Every one of us is going to die, barring the Lord's return before that. Every one of us is going to die, but we don't have to experience an eternal death. We don't have to experience eternal separation from God. Through the resurrection of Christ, we can experience eternal life with him. The key is to look up. Christ has paid for your sins and my sins, past, present, and future. He's paid that price on the cross by his stripes, by his wounds. We are healed. As the Apostle Paul says, look up, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, What's that joy? You, 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 me, you, you, and you. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. This isn't the Oprah show, but we, we all get this promise. We get this promise today. Christ has paid the price for our sins, and by his grace, we are saved for the joy set before him. You are that joy. I am that joy. We are that joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, taking on our shame and what we were meant to suffer, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Look up. Look up, sinner. Look up if you're filled with fear and anxiety overwhelmingly. Look up. Mark 16, 6 goes on to say this. Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. There's 365 times in the Bible that it says, don't be afraid. Do you think God's trying to get a message to his people? Do you think he's trying to tell us something? Don't be alarmed. He said, you are looking for Jesus. Do you, do you know what we're looking for today? Sometimes we go around, we don't know what we're looking for. The older I get, that's happening more and more. I'm like, I was looking for something. What was I looking for? Do we know what we're looking for? We're looking for Jesus. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Don't 
be alarmed. Look up. Who can roll the stone away? Who will roll the stone away for us? His name is Jesus. I think sometimes we get it wrong. I think sometimes we all pray, but I think sometimes we get it wrong in our prayers. And it's not bad to do this. I pray about my problems every day and twice on Sunday. I pray about the problems in my life. I ask God to to move that stone, deliver that stone, to, to move those things. That's a good prayer to ask. But I think sometimes we pray that prayer so much that we forget to do it in reverse. Instead of talking to God about how big the stone is in our life, we need to talk to the stone about how big our God is. Because we serve a big God. We serve a God that loves us. We serve a God that is for us. We serve a God that has forgiven us. Maybe your stone is you feel like you've been going the wrong way for too long. You feel like you've been going the wrong direction. I love sports. You guys know that if you're new here today. If you don't like sports, you don't want to come back because those are half of my illustrations. Uh, The Apostle Paul, I believe he loved sports. He loved those things. Uh, When I think about going the wrong way, I think about wrong way Roy Regals. You may have heard of wrong way Roy. He was in the 1929 uh, Rose Bowl. And uh, there's some of you that may have been here. Pastor Bones, I think he was here in uh, 1929, was he not? No, not quite. 1930? Yeah, he doesn't remember it. But anyway, he was, he was there. I'm sorry, I got your age a little bit wrong. You're just 92, you're almost 92, not 102. But anyway, some of us, none of us probably remember this, but in the 1929 Rose Bowl, it was the University of California versus Georgia Tech. And Roy Riggles played for the University of California. And and uh, Georgia Tech fumbled the football. And Roy Riggles picked up the ball, and he was hit a few times, probably like a pinball in a pinball machine. It left him disoriented, and all of a sudden, he was running the wrong direction. 69 yards to be exact. 69 yards the wrong direction. The only reason he didn't go 70 yards the wrong direction is his quarterback tackled him at the one-yard line. So there they are at the one-yard line, tied zero to zero, about to go to halftime. Coach Price thought his best option was to punt the ball away. And so from his own Enzo, they punted the ball away, but it got blocked, turned into a safety, and they ended up being down two to nothing anyway. Roy Riggles was horrified. He was ashamed. He was embarrassed. He went into the locker room. He was not going to go out. He refused to go out. His exact words were this. He said to his coach Price, Coach, I can't do it. I've ruined you. I've ruined myself. I've ruined you, the University of California. I couldn't face that crowd to save my life. But Coach Price, in his wisdom, responded, Roy, get up and go back out there. The game is only half over. And friends, that's the message of Easter. That's the message of the resurrection. Some of you might have come in here today feeling like you were going to walk in here, leave in here feeling worse than when you came in. But I have a message that Jesus wants to share with you today. Because of his resurrection, he's here to tell you, get up, get back out there. The half is only half over. And before you think I'm going to start making some KU analogies and stuff, I'm not. That was a long time ago, a week and a half ago. Something happened miraculously. It was really good. But some of you walked in here. Lost half of my K-State fans. Come back. Come back. Come back, K-State. Wildcats, come with me. Some of you walked in here feeling like you were going the wrong way. But Jesus wants you to tell you, get back up. Get back out there. You're not done. I'm not through. I've rolled the stone away. 
Your sins are forgiven. I've already won the victory. And because I've won the victory, you have the victory. You're on the winning side. And there's a lot of ups and downs in this life. There's fumbles, there's interceptions, there's setbacks. But on Jesus' team, you will finish a winner. You will finish on the winning side. You will finish with the resurrection. And you'll have resurrection power no matter what you go through. And you'll go through hard things in this life. There's ups and downs. But you will have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your life. That's what he wants to give you. That's what he wants to give me. Today is our day of victory. So I want to invite you to pray with me this morning before we have some wonderful baptisms. If you just close your head, close your head, close your eyes, bow your head. If you bow your head and close your eyes, just you and God. What stone did you come in here with today? What stone is so large in your life it seems immovable? I'm not going to throw fairy dust at this and say it's going to magically go away. But I can tell you who you can trust. You can trust a God who loves you. You can trust a God who weeps with you, who cries with you. You can trust a God who died for you, who gave his only son to die on a cross for you. And if anybody believes in him that he'll not die for eternity, but he'll live forever with him. Some of you, you're believers in here today, you already believe, but you have a big stone in your life and no one looking around, your eyes are closed, just you and God. But I just wanna pray for you today before you leave that that size of that stone will be smaller because you're gonna be looking at bigger God when you walk out of here. You want that faith today as you leave? Would you just raise your hand? You got a stone in your life? I don't have to know what it is. God knows what it is. Yep, 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 yep. That's because a lot of us carry stones. A lot of us have them. Father, I pray for my friends, whatever their stone is, emotional, relational, physical. Lord, you know what it is. Lord, would you give us faith like the disciples to walk out of here with a bigger view of who you are, that our God is gonna be bigger when we leave this place. Our stones still may be there, but and you may roll it away. You may choose to do that. We certainly pray for that. We pray, God, in Jesus' name to remove the cancer. We pray for that. We pray in Jesus' name to heal the marriage. We pray in Jesus' name to do what only you can do. But even if it doesn't, Lord, would you give us faith in the goodness of God that you love us. You're near the brokenhearted. You want to walk this journey with us. You want to be with us. You want to help us. You're our ever-present strength in times of trouble. Lord, thank you that you want to be that for us. You're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Who can do better than that? So Lord, I pray for my friends that they would sense and feel the closeness of your presence as they walk out of this place the stone that's in front of them will be smaller because they're looking up to the God who is bigger. Your head bowed and your eyes still closed this morning. Maybe you walked in this room and you didn't know what you were looking for, but the reality is Jesus has been looking for you and he's found you at this moment. The question is, are you gonna receive his love into your life? Are you gonna accept his unconditional love and forgiveness? With your head just bowed and your eyes closed this morning, just by simple faith, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer with you. I'm not gonna call you out and embarrass you, but just you and God, just by signal faith, I'm gonna count to three. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you'd like me to pray that with you. I'm just gonna count to three. One, two, three. Raise your hand. 
Thank you. I see those hands. Keep them up just for a minute. No one's looking around. Thank you. Thank you. There's probably 15, 16, 17, 18 of you. Any more? Okay, you put your hands down. I'm going to ask that we all, so we don't do this alone. We're meant to walk this journey with God together, not by ourselves. We're meant to walk as a family. So would you just pray this prayer, repeat after me. It's a prayer that I prayed when I was 40 years ago. There's nothing magical about the words. It's what the heart is saying. But I'm just going to ask you to all of us together to repeat these words. This is a prayer of our heart to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins, giving your only son for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you have forgiven me. Thank you. In Jesus' name. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends that prayed this prayer, maybe for the first time, or maybe they've chosen to come back to you. Your word tells us that when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you are Lord and that you rose from the dead, that we're a child of God. Instantly, we are a child of yours. Even if someone does that, and they do it now, it's not when and how, it's just that they trusted in you. Father, thank you. Would your spirit bear witness with their spirit they're, they're, they're deeply loved, that they're a child of yours, along with those that were about ready to celebrate their decision to follow Jesus. Thank you for these that are about to be baptized, Lord. Thank you for the decision they made to receive your great love. And as we celebrate this as a family, may we celebrate it as you would in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before you go, as our children are going to make their way in, because our baptisms around here is a celebration. We celebrate when someone chooses to follow Jesus because the angels in heaven celebrate. We figure if they celebrate, we should celebrate. So this is a whole family deal. So we're inviting all of our kids in. They always come in for this. Some of them are going to be the ones getting baptized. But there's one, for those of you that like, I got one more note, got one more fill in the blank, and you didn't fill that out. Let's get that done. While they're coming in, let me share that with you, what that is. What now? Mark 16, verse 7 tells us, the response of God. The angel said, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus has already gone ahead of you. That's your next fill in the blank. Jesus has already gone ahead of you. And what's he want you to do? He wants you to tell others that he's risen. He wants you to tell others what God has done for you. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Those are getting baptized today. It doesn't mean they're perfect or they're sinless. In fact, it just means they're a sinner saved by the grace of God, by his love they received. And so we're going to celebrate some baptisms this morning.